you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at laist.com sweeps. Hi, this is Larry Mantle, host of Air Talk on KPCC. Since the start of the coronavirus pandemic, we've had a daily segment on Air Talk devoted to the latest information about COVID-19. As time's gone on, we've looked at vaccines and how the virus and pandemic have affected the lives of Southern Californians. That includes doctors, nurses, epidemiologists, and other medical professionals fighting the virus on the front lines. In each episode, of this podcast, we'll speak with one of our experts on the rotating panel of AirTalk guests who will be sharing their expertise with us daily. You can also listen anytime at las.com, kpcc.org, or subscribe wherever you download podcasts. And we're so pleased to have with us for our COVID in L.A. segment and podcast, Dr. Dean Blumberg of UC Davis Children's Hospital, where he's chief of pediatric infectious diseases and professor of medicine at UC Davis. Dr. Blumberg, a very good Monday to you. Thank you for joining us. Hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving with your family, um, but certainly a big news weekend with the arrival of Omicron as a variant. Um, your your thoughts on this? How concerned should we be? Yeah, it really was interesting that this occurred over Thanksgiving because we're all relaxing and getting together with extended family and feeling good about things. And then this Omicron thing comes up and we're wondering, you know, the first thing I thought of was there's a lot of variants. How significant is this? And really in the past few days, it's moved very rapidly to being advanced to a variant of concern. So it's it's something that I think over the next few days that we'll learn more about how serious this really is. In the case of the Delta variant, it seemed like that elbowed out. Um, significant numbers of cases of the other variants that prior to that, the one that came out of the UK and the original variant, which came out of China, that, you know, these these seem to fall by the wayside to Delta. Is that possible that Omicron could elbow out Delta? Well, Larry, I think you've hit the nail on the head. That's the big concern. With Delta, that currently accounts for 99.9% of circulating strains in the U.S., and that took a few months to, to get there after it was introduced. The concern with Omicron is in the one area where it's been closely monitored in South Africa, the number of cases that are being detected has been doubling daily. And so this exponential growth suggests that it will outperform Delta, that it is more infectious, and that it does have the ability to become the predominant circulating strain. So that's what we need to monitor. Okay. Um, There is a chance, of course, that even though it's more communicable, that maybe it's not as virulent as Delta? Is that, could, could that be a possibility? And is there any potential for silver lining if that's the case? That's possible. It's difficult to imagine why that would be, but it's possible that maybe the mutations in this variant make it more transmissible, but less fit to cause more serious disease. Um, We've only had a handful of cases um, reported in terms of the clinical outcome, 
Um, so it's basically anecdotal at this point. So I think we still have three main questions, which is how transmissible this is, how previous immunity from infection or vaccination um, protects against this variant, and then the severity of disease. And so I'm sure over the next few days, we'll, we'll get answers to these questions. It, you know, it's still early on, so we're, we're trying to figure out so much. That's the caveat with all my questions for you. But uh, this morning, um, President Biden uh, addressed uh, the variant, and this is what he had to say from the White House. This variant is a cause for concern, not a cause for panic. We have the best vaccine in the world, the best medicines, the best scientists, and we're learning more every single day. Uh, The president uh, said vaccination continues to be the key. The best protection, I know you're tired of hearing me say this, the best protection against this new variant or any of of the variants out there, the ones we've been dealing with already, is getting fully vaccinated and getting a booster shot. This morning on Good Morning America on ABC, Dr. Fauci uh, had this to say about Omicron. It's inevitable that sooner or later it's going to spread widely because it has at least the molecular characteristics of being highly transmissible, even though there are a lot of things about it that we do not know, but that will be able to be ascertained in the next week or two, I believe. Uh, Meanwhile, New York's governor on Friday declared a state of emergency. So we're getting all this different messaging. I think it's hard for for us to sort of figure out how concerned to be by this. Dr. Blumberg, how do you take all the different messages we're getting about Omicron? Well, you know, I, I, I think I'm taking a wait and see approach. Let's take a step back and look at why there's so much concern. Um, this um, variant has more than 50 mutations compared to the original strain, and that that includes 32 in the gene encoding for the spike protein. And many of these mutations were found in other variants, but there's some that are new, and it includes mutations that improves the spike protein binding to receptors and that enhance viral replications. And so both of these would suggest that it's more contagious. And there are also mutations in areas of the spike protein that look like they would result in avoiding neutralizing antibodies from previous infection or vaccination. But what we found with previous variants is that even if there's decreasing viral neutralization from vaccination or from previous infection, it doesn't drop down to zero. So when we had the original strains, the vaccines were about 95% protective, and that dropped to 85% with Delta. So I would think something similar. If there's something similar with Omicron, maybe it won't be 75, 85% protective, but maybe it'll drop down to 75% protective or something like that. And so that's why I agree with the president saying that vaccination is still the number one thing that we can all do to protect against disease. Um, And remember, what we really care about is protecting against serious disease and death. And if there's a few more breakthrough infections that result in mild disease, that's more of an inconvenience, but it doesn't threaten us. And this, you know, brings to mind again how this is a global concern because South Africa is where this variant was first seen and it has a comparatively low rate of vaccination, even as it is a healthcare system, which apparently is pretty good at tracking variants. So, um, you know, what what can be done to to get vaccine out more thoroughly to countries like South Africa? 
Yeah, so I think you've made a couple of very important points, which is that the this variant was first described in South Africa. It may or may not have originated there, but they do have an excellent system for sequencing the strains and so discovering the variant. So credit to them um, for that, but we still don't know where it originated. That it has so many different mutations compared to previous strains suggests that maybe this developed in an immunocompromised person um, who where the, the viral load would be much higher and you could get so much more replication. And when these variants occur anywhere in the world, they will then spread to everywhere in the world, even with the travel restrictions. There's enough back and forth that if it is more contagious, it's going to be here. And in fact, if it is truly more contagious, then it likely already is is here. And the most important thing that we can do to prevent the development of more variants is to get um, higher rates of vaccination. And we've got a robust vaccine supply. Um, we've got billions of doses of vaccine that have been distributed worldwide. So we just have to make sure that we can get them into people's arms. Uh, Dr. Blumberg, you just raised the important point that um, it's it's not for certain that Omicron actually came from South Africa. It may have just been they have this great identification system to find the variant Will it matter in understanding how Omicron performs in the world to try and find out where it originated and and uh, the different countries to which it's early on spread? I think it'd be really interesting to try to trace the origins of it because this can help inform preventing further variants. So it might suggest that, for example, if we do find that it did develop in an immunocompromised person, that, that we need to redouble our efforts to make sure that people um, who do have weakened immune systems are protected. Or if there's areas in the world that are extremely under-vaccinated, then maybe more resources can be poured in to those areas. So I think it's, it is a good opportunity to learn more. Uh, Thomas in Los Feliz emailed us, would a positive COVID test also show its variant or is that done through separate testing? Yeah, that's done through separate testing. So you actually have to sequence the virus. So it's more technical and only a minority of the positive tests are being sequenced. There are some hints um, of that um, in that, that there are generally two to three targets that the PCR tests um, look for. And with this one, one of the targets is not seen. Um, and so that was used earlier with the Delta variant also to get a quick idea of, of the spread of that variant. Is there any reason to believe that the PCR uh, or rapid tests that we're currently using will not pick up um, Omicron um, infections or, or do the, are these across the board for any mutations? Yeah, um, what I'm hearing is that the PCR tests that they are picking this up, there's no loss of sensitivity. And so there's there there's no concerns related to our current diagnostics. Now, we heard, I think it was from Pfizer, that they think that they could uh, re-engineer their vaccine within 100 days to account for a variant like Omicron. Does that seem realistic to you? Yeah, absolutely. They've already been working on these sorts of studies with the FDA to figure out a mechanism of how to rapidly develop vaccines that incorporate the new variants. 
I'm sure they've already developed the vaccine now. All you need is the gene from this new variant, and they can just swap that into the pre-existing base platform for the vaccine um, and, and then produce the vaccine. And then what you need is some sort of format that the FDA will accept to, to show that the vaccine is immunogenic, that it develops good antibodies after immunizations, and that there's no safety concerns. And so they do this every year, for example, with influenza vaccines. They don't have to go back to the drawing board every season and, and prove that influenza vaccines work. What they need to do is put the new strains in the vaccine and then take a subset of people and make sure that it's safe and that it does result in good immune responses. Dr. Blumberg, how long do you think it'll be before we know to what extent the current vaccines protect against Omicron? I would think within a few days because once wow. um, science scientists get a hold of these um, variants, what they can do is they've got banks of serum, banks of blood that they're already storing for patients who've been vaccinated, patients who've been previously infected, and they can compare the neutralizing titers against this new variant compared to past strains to see how if there is a decrease in terms of neutralizing antibody and anticipated protection. And that's a pretty good proxy for real-world performance? Yeah, I think so. That's been done with the other strains, and there's been some strains of concern um, that uh, to escape vaccine-induced protection. Um, and then with the Delta variant, um, it looked like it correlated pretty well, these sorts of tests. All right. Uh, do you think that we need to change uh, our, our habits, our um, willingness to go out and do things at all as a result of Omicron? Or, or do you think we're, we're wait and see you wouldn't change anything you do? You know, at the present time, I'd wait for more information. I think we're already in the age of Delta, already taking the renewed precautions since June and July, since we've had Delta be the predominant strain that's circulating. So, you know, we, we stopped masking back then, and then we had reinstituted masking because we had a more infectious strain, even for those who are vaccinated. So I think we should continue our current precautions. I don't think there's any reason to to pull back on them now until we get more information. Um, and then we'll see what the next steps are. Would you, for example, be more hesitant to, you know, eat indoors in a restaurant, obviously while not wearing a mask while you eat, would that give you pause now where it wouldn't have a week ago? You know, personally, I, I, I wouldn't change my habits. I, I'm still confident that those who are vaccinated um, have some immunity so that if they do get breakthrough infection, that it will generally be mild. And then for those who are at high risk for more severe infections, such as those over 65 or with pre-existing conditions, you know, you got to get that booster dose. Um, otherwise, breakthrough infection may result in more severe illness, resulting in hospitalization. But I, I still see us, even in the setting of this new variant, I still see us getting to a post-pandemic world. We're talking with Dr. Dean Blumberg of UC Davis Children's Hospital, where he's chief of pediatric infectious diseases. He's a professor of medicine at UC Davis. We're at 866-893-KPECC. Herman Fullerton asks, if uh, you received the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, should you stay with that when getting a booster, or would you recommend switching to one of the mRNA boosters? 
You know, any of the vaccines can be used for boosters, but I will say this, that if you get an mRNA vaccine after getting one dose of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, that the antibody titers are significantly higher, and that likely correlates with protection. So if you want more protection, I would recommend getting either the Moderna or Pfizer vaccine for a booster. Robert in Long Beach says, does the Omicron variant manifest any symptoms differently from the variants already present in the U.S.? All that I've heard in terms of symptoms is that anecdotally the symptoms have been mild, but that's based on a handful of reported cases, and that's not real data. So I'm still waiting to hear. All right. Merck is updated on the effectiveness of its COVID-19 pill, not showing um, you know, quite the level of, of effectiveness uh, as it did originally. Your thoughts on, on uh, what the pill showed and um, if, if it's still, you know, if 30 percent reduction in hospitalization deaths is still highly significant. Yeah, you know, it was interesting. When it was initially reported, they reported the short-term results with 760-plus subjects, and they had 45 hospitalizations in the placebo group and 28 in the, the treatment group. And for some reason, that got reported as a 50% reduction. And that's not a 50% reduction. That's I did a calculation of that this morning. It's 37% decrease. So that's still good. And then now that they have um, uh, about double that, 1,400 plus patients, they've reported a, a 30% reduction in hospitalization. So I think that's similar to the original reports. I don't think it's that much different. And you know, I would take a pill if it would result yeah. in 30% less chance yeah, of me being in the hospital. For businesses in the city of Los Angeles, the full vaccination mandate goes into effect today. So if you're going to be eating indoors at a, a restaurant within the city of Los Angeles or going into an entertainment or recreational facility, a gym, personal care establishment, you will be required starting today to show full proof uh, a vaccination against the virus, the Safe Pass LA ordinance, one of the strictest mandates of its kind in the country. You can show either your vaccination card, you can show a photo on your phone of your vaccination card, uh, you can show the digital COVID 19 vaccination record, which is available from the state of California. You can download that to your phone or a healthcare provider's documentation of a COVID 19 vaccination. Um, businesses already have had to check for a first dose of vaccine, but now um, now it's a double dose. The other option is a negative COVID test within 72 hours of entry. Um, but again, that's, you know, that's, that's going to be a hassle for people if they're going to be testing all the time to go indoors into businesses. Uh, they can still use outdoor facilities if not fully vaccinated should uh, a venue have those. Dr. Dean Blumberg, UC Davis Children's Hospital with us talking about COVID-19 on uh, AirTalk. Dr. Blumberg, um, I don't know what you're hearing about the enforcement of the COVID-19 requirements in the areas that have them, but um, you know, what's your sense of how rigorously they're being adhered to? I'm sure there's a lot of variability. I can tell you that I was in Claremont a couple of weeks ago visiting with my mother-in-law who lives there, and I went to religious services. It was the anniversary of my mother's death. 
And when I went there, um, they asked, they required vaccination and they asked to see, it was, it was seamless. I showed them a picture of my vaccination card, which I had on my phone and it just went very smoothly. So I think it can be done. I know it's onerous for businesses. It's an extra thing for them to, to do, but I think it can be done. And I think it does make it safer for everybody. Are we in a better place here in California than we were a year ago? No question. There's no question in my mind that we're in a better place. We've got um, abundant vaccines and immunity. We've got pre-existing immunity among the majority of the population so that when infections do occur um, in people who've been either previously infected or especially if they've been vaccinated, that it's less likely to be severe, less likely to result in hospitalization or admission to the ICU. We've got abundant diagnostics. Anybody can get tested. Um, and then we've got the um, uh, monoclonals that are available for breakthrough infections for people who may be um, at higher risk for serious disease and antivirals are on the horizon. So I, I think we're in a much better place than a year ago. All right. We're taking your questions at ATcomments at kpcc.org. Um, the, uh, you know, back to uh, the um, Omicron variant they skipped over two of the Greek letters that they would typically, one of them knew, N-U, which they thought when people said it verbally, I guess, that the World Health Organization thought people would think it was N-E-W. They were talking about a new variant because if it was called new, it would eventually become an old variant. Anyway, uh, your thoughts about them shift, uh, you know, uh, skipping over that as well as the Greek uh, letter that spelled out uh, X-I, which is, is also the first name of um, you know China's president, so they were concerned there could be confused with a with a name. Yeah, it's really interesting the way you look at that. I mean, I had to look up the the um, pronunciation of Omicron. Um, I, I I don't speak Greek, and I'm not familiar with the alphabet. I, you know, you got plenty of Latin, like... I'm sure, in medical school, but no <laughs> Greek, right? Right. And I know a lot of the Greek letters, you know, that we've all heard of, like like Sigma and Epsilon and Omega. I mean, we've all heard those. Those are in common parlance, but some of them aren't. So so that was new to me um, also. My my college biblical Greek is is helping me out with these. I have to say I, I appreciate it. Um, before we close, I wanted to ask you about uh, the ongoing unvaccinated here in California, we're seeing in inland areas of the state um, still lower than ideal rates of vaccination. It's a totally different thing in coastal California. You're you're there in Sacramento, so you're serving patients, many of whom come to Sacramento from you know very rural parts of the state. You're a regional medical center. So, you know, do you have any thoughts at this point about how to better encourage people in those communities to get vaccinated? You know, it's a real challenge. One of the issues with the rural communities is, of course, there's lower population density. So there's lower risk of infection. People have less contacts. And some of these areas can be relatively spared because if a case isn't introduced into a rural area, then people are protected. And I think then complacency ensues. So I think one of the things that we've seen is some of these rural areas that felt that it just doesn't happen in our community um, they're protected for a while, and then a case gets introduced, and it just goes through that community like wildfire. And many of these rural areas, because of their lower population density, have less healthcare resources. 
And so the hospitals fill up very rapidly um, and then patients need to be transferred out to other regional areas. So, so it really is a challenge communicating all those nuances to these rural areas. And I think all we can do is try to convince people that, um, you know, in this day and age, you're either going to get infected or you need to be vaccinated. And you're really taking your chances if you get infected because the immunity that you get from immunization is more consistent and better. I think it was just over a week ago that hospitals in the Central Valley of California were asking for help from uh, Los Angeles area hospitals to take in patients because they were at capacity. So it's an example of what, what you were just saying. Dr. Blumberg, thank you so much as always for being with us. Have a terrific week. You too. Thanks for listening to this episode of COVID in L.A. If you'd like to stay up to date with the latest coronavirus news, you can listen anytime at LAist.com, at kpcc.org, or subscribe wherever you download podcasts. See you next time and stay safe. I'm Larry Mantle. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people.